and I talked about the priority of money in our lives and uh, how Jesus said you'll either serve God or you'll serve money. Straight up, he just he said it was going to be your heart. God's after your heart. He's more concerned about your heart than he is your money. And if you can get that, uh, that's 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 where Jesus is always after your heart. And and when I talked about the priority of money, only one person can be in the driver's seat. And it's going to be God or it, it's going to be money in, in some people's case. And so we have to put Jesus where he, where he goes. And so we also talked about being content with our daily bread that God has given us each and every day. How many are grateful for God's supply for today? How many ate today? All right. How many had to go without today for any good reason? All right. God took care of you today. Amen. If God could feed Elijah with ravens, he can take care of your daily needs. And being content with those things and saying, God, I, I'm grateful for the things that you have given me today. Maybe I'm not a millionaire. Maybe I don't have a house on the beach somewhere. But guess what? I'm content that I have what I have. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you've given me. And that is just a, a, a very uh, miraculous way that we can live. And lastly, we talked about faith and, and our money. And uh, I know many of you... Your minds automatically went to the televangelist uh, with big hair and big suits asking for money, faith, sowing in faith. And I, I, I talked a little bit about that last week, and I said, but, you know, that you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater uh, because there is a principle in Scripture that says you, you reap what you, okay, and you cannot outgive God, okay? So there's some things in Scripture that we, we have to know. And so uh, we're going to look at money concerning three areas tonight. First one is this. I talked a little bit about this on Sunday. And I might add, I wore my cowboy boots today. Yeehaw, so I could be a little bit taller. And uh, um, But the first one I want to talk about, and I talked about this a little bit on Sunday, is humility. Everyone say humility. All right. Second one we're going to talk about is wealth. Everyone say wealth. And the last one is investment. All right. So the first one is this, hum humility. And if you need a little subheading for humility, you could say this. Uh, humility is this. Uh, God places a high value on simple things. God places a very high value on simple things. And Matthew uh, 20, 28 says this. Even as the Son uh, of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, Jesus is the perfect example of, of humility. He came not for himself, but he came for you and for you and for you and for me and for everybody. And, and uh, humility is one of those things that you can't bra brag about having, right? Because if you start bragging about how humble you are, you probably are not humble, right? Um, humility is usually seen by others first within us. Right? Um, it's one of those things. Uh, you heard about the guy. He said this. He said, I only have four flaws. Number one, uh, I lack humility. B, I'm inconsistent. And finally, I can't count. And so those were the things that he said. And so did you catch that? He had four flaws. I only, I only gave three. All right. All right. So that went. Throw that one out. Don't ever use that one again. Um, but here's the key. The truth is humility is is not a destination, okay? Humility is not a destination. It's not something you check off your list when you get there. I've reached humility. That's not what happens. 
you absorb it along the way. As you begin to walk with God, as you begin to see the character of God, it begins to rub off on you, and that humility begins to come out in your life. It's, it's in the background while you're, while you're following Jesus and, and you're letting Jesus lead you uh, instead of you. It's in the background there, and it's coming out in your character. His character is coming out through our lives. How many would say, hey, pastor, I want a good dose of humility in my life? I do, okay, and would say, why are you talking about humility? I thought we were talking about money. Well, we're going to get there, okay. Um, here's the thing. When you have humility and it's all over you, over, over you, you are typically the last person to see it. Everyone else will notice it within you before you notice it, right? And, and in fact, if you're walking in true humility, you'll never see it because once you recognize it in yourselves, uh, it's telling us we don't really have it anymore, Right? Right? Lord, help me because it's so hard to be humble, right? As the old adage goes. Um, but here's the thing. And Jesus, and I mentioned this a little bit on Sunday. Humility, listen, listen to this. You, can, you should write this down. Humility is the doorway to greatness. Humility is the doorway to greatness. How, how do you say that, Pastor? Well, in Second Chronicles 7, uh, 14, it says, if my people... Uh, who are called by, na- by my name, will what? Humble themselves and pray. There's something about humility. Then I'll hear, hear them and then I will answer their prayers, right? And so that's what that scripture says. So there's something about when we humble ourselves, when we say, hey, God, I am in need of you. And I'm in need of your daily supply for my life. Luke, Luke 18 tells uh, the stark difference in, in the Pharisee praying and the tax collector, and you know this story, the, the Pharisees there in the, in the temple and the tax collector there. The Pharisee says, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterous, or even like that tax collector. Man, when you start having to compare yourself to other people, you're already on the wrong foot, right? And so he's there, and then he goes on to say, I fast two times a week, and I give a tithe. And, uh, and he was impressed with himself, wasn't he? How many have ever been impressed with yourself, right? And so he is impressed with himself there spiritually. And honestly, I'm not so sure that the Lord was impressed with him. Because his attitude is one that's not coming in humility, but one coming with pride. Look, God, look, God, look, look at me. I, 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 I'm not. I'm this, I'm that. But, you know, the, the, the flip side of that story is the tax collector, he's over there in the corner, and he knows he's a sinner. He won't even lift his head, and he's beating his chest, and he's saying, God, forgive me, for I am a sinner. And I, I love this story, but notice what Jesus says about them in this verse in Luke chapter 18, verse 14. He says this, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, talking about the tax collector rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be what? Will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be the doorway to greatness is to humble yourself. Amen. So you say, okay, oh, I hear you, TJ. I hear that in a spiritual sense, but what does that have to do with money? And Jesus was never against having money. Can I just say that up front? Jesus is not against you having money, but Jesus is against money having your heart. All right? Uh, so if you say, hey, I, I, I want to be wealthy someday, that's a great goal to have. 
but don't let that money take the place of where Jesus is, okay? And so um, he's never against money, and, and, but, but he was against money having your heart. And sometimes money can be the driver, listen, can be the driver of greed, right? Money can uh, make kids fight over an inheritance after their parents die. Many families, you don't understand, sometimes I see this. Families after, after parents pass away and they leave an inheritance to siblings, sometimes those siblings don't talk for years because they're fighting over who gets what and this and that. And there's a lot to say about uh, that, and I've seen it. And James reminds us, I love this, James, the brother of Jesus, half-brother of Jesus, says this in James chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. He says, now the brother or sister of humble circumstance is to glory in his high position. But the rich person is to glory in his humiliation because like the flowering grass, he will pass away, right? So I was looking at this. I was looking at a couple different translations in this. And um, the message, which is not a, a verbatim translation, it's, uh, it's kind of a paraphrase. It's for uh, uh, Eugene uh, Peterson, I, I believe, was the writer of the message. It's more of a... Um, if you just look at it, it's, it's, it kind of just puts it in simple English. It's not a word for word, you know, like, like what you would see in many other translations. But look at this. In the message, I like the way that it says, when down and outers get a break, cheer. Yay, good job. You guys did good, right? And when the arrogant rich are brought down to size, cheer. Yay, right? We're, we're excited about that. And then it says this, prosperity is, a short, is as short-lived as a wildflower, so don't even count on it. James is pretty straight and bold in this statement saying this, you know, in this life, it's okay to gather riches. It's, all, it's okay to gather wealth in this life. But can I tell you something? That one day it's going to disappear. And everything that you've worked so hard for is not going to be here anymore. It's not going to matter to you. So I, I will say this. First off, James is not saying that we all need to be poor. That's not what he's saying here. All right, everyone say Thank you, Jesus, right? Uh, he's not saying that we all need to be poor. He's not, um, and he's not even comparing the money of the rich and the poor. No, his comparison here is the attitude of the humble and the arrogant. That's, that's what he is comparing there. And so, and I believe that God, I don't know if you believe this, but I believe God wants to bless his children abundantly. How many want to be blessed abundantly? In all areas, all right? In all areas of your life. And I, I truly uh, do believe that. But I've also learned that he works with us individually and not broadly. Okay? So God may bless Sula uh, with, with something, but he may not bless me with something. He may, he may bless Sula with a million dollars, but he didn't give Pastor a million dollars. And it's not my place to be jealous of what God has blessed Sula with because I don't know the price that she paid. I don't know, you know, what, what was required to do that. But obviously the Lord felt that Sula could handle that kind of money. Pastor, you aren't ready for that yet. Anybody with me? And I believe that God, he definitely wants to bless our children. See, to whom much is given, much is required. Sometimes I make this statement, you know, at home. My wife will put me in my place. Sometimes I'll just be sitting there and be like, man, I wish I had a million dollars. My wife would say, you would have it if God thought you were ready for it. And I'm like, be quiet. No. 
And I have to think about that, and I have to think, well, the Lord knows what's best for me. Maybe if I was given a million dollars, maybe I would mess my life up. Maybe I would mess up the calling that God has put over my life. And maybe God has a greater plan for me. He's like, why are you settling for a million dollars when I can do more and more and more? And, and, and so, so to whom much is given, much is required. If we're faithful in the small things, God makes us the ruler of much. So when we come with a humble attitude with our lives, so we say, hey, God, I, I may not be rich, I may not have, but, Lord, I, in humility, God, I'm going to give wh- you what is yours. If I'm a good steward of the money w- that I have um, and, know, uh, and know what makes me think uh, uh, I could bless people in the kingdom. And, I, and, you know, here's the thing. The problem is it's not about how much money you have. It's your attitude towards it that makes the difference. Amen? It's not, amount, it's not about the amount of money, but here's the thing. Uh, God knows our nature, and if, if we were to be given a large sum of money, maybe each of us, it would probably change some of our attitude. And some, of our, some of us say, oh, no, that would never happen to me. But honestly, I mean, you could see it time and time again where that happens. And so uh, our hope is not in an earthly system but in a heavenly one. That's what James is saying. Hey, this is all going to wither away. You could work your fingers to the bone your whole life. You could gain a ton of wealth. Guess what? When you die, you can be buried with it, but you can't take it with you. Your kids are just going to spend it anyways, right? And they're going to fight over it, and it's going to be dispersed. Uh, and, and I've seen people who have no real money, and everything they own is on credit, yet they act arrogantly as if they own the world and are better than everyone else. Now, here's the flip side of that. I've also seen people who don't have a lot, but they are constantly uh, uh, blessing others. And as a result, God is always continuing to provide for them. How many can say tonight, hey, pastor, God has provided for me over and over and over again. Amen. <clears throat> and here's the thing. We, we cannot be worried about uh, poverty or weighed down with riches. Do you catch that? God doesn't want us to be worried about dropping into poverty, and he doesn't want us to be weighed down with riches. We must keep a heavenly perspective. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. All right? I love that. Uh, So humility is an attitude that is directed uh, towards others and not ourselves. So when we are acting in humility, hey, we're acting towards someone else. matter of fact, if you look at Philippians 2, 3, it says this. Do nothing. Man, you ought to underline this in your Bible. You ought to put this up where your spouse could see it. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I love that. I love, love that verse. There's so much power in that. Humility never puts itself down, but it puts others up. And, and so, so we're going back to money here. If you, if you think that your money makes you great and important, then you need an attitude adjustment. It's just plain and simple. If you think that that makes you better than someone, you need an attitude adjustment. And money, here's the thing. Money is a tool. We have to use it in our society that we use to provide, to make for our means. And, but, but it's a tool that we can bless others with. Amen? And having it doesn't make you any better 
than, than those who do not have it. So look what James says next in this very next verse. James 1.11 says this. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, and its flowers fall off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So also the rich person in the midst of his pursuits will die out. Pretty strong words, right? Humility will keep, keep your need for God uh, first and not money. Amen. When you're humble in your attitude, Lord, when I'm humble, I have to say, God, I need you in all that I do, including my finances, including my marriage, including in, as being a parent, including all areas of my life. Uh, see, some people believe the lie that money will lead to security and finances and, and material things will, will last forever. But, but James says the opposite. All those things are going to wash away. Guess what? You can buy a nice boat. Guess what? It's going to rust out one day. You can buy a nice car, but the salt that they put on the road here in Indiana is eventually going to wear your car out, right? You could have a nice house. Eventually, a tree is going to fall down and fall through your roof and break it, or, or, or worse, the foundation is going to slip, or whatever the case. What am I saying? What am I saying? Things in this world will pass away. So it's important to have this right mindset. Hey, God, I need you. So if you put your hope in a big bank account, it will fail you. Amen? You know what I know? The more money you have, the more taxes erode from that money that you have. Amen? Uh, your house will crumble. Your car will rust. Your investment may crash. But if you keep your trust in God, you will succeed. Amen? And so humility in money is simply this, putting Christ first and foremost. You can be rich in spirit and have nothing, right? You can be really rich in spirit and have nothing. And you can be financially rich and be spiritually bankrupt. Right? There are a lot of people who are financially rich and spiritually bankrupt. You know why so many movie stars and athletes go to drugs? Because they're searching for something that money could not solve. But let me tell you something, Jesus Christ is the one you got to put in the driver's seat. He, he can solve all things. It's not what fills your pockets that matters, it's what fills your heart. Amen? Amen? And how many would say, hey, I want to be a good steward of the money uh, that, that God has given me. I want to walk in humility with, with and I want to, I want to, the daily bread that God has given me, I want to steward it to the best of my ability and use it for the kingdom how he sees fit. And how many... I want to be a good steward with your money tonight. And, and can I say this? God's not mad at, at, at your amount of money. He doesn't say you have to be poor rich. There's no preference. No, no, Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say you have to be poor rich. Matter of fact, last week I gave you a list of people in the New Testament that were rich, that, that helped Jesus out, that walked along. So Jesus at no point ever says, hey, it, it's, it's bad to have money, but he said it's bad to have, let money have your heart. That's what he said. And so uh, God's not mad at your amount of money. He doesn't say you have to be poor or rich. But he does require us to walk in humility. Uh, and we were talking about the parable of the tax collector and, and the Pharisee. Jesus uh, never said it was wrong for this Pharisee to be rich. But he was. He said it was wrong how the Pharisee began to walk in pride. And he was wrong because he esteemed himself in pride and not humility. 
So today, Jesus would say to each and every one of us, walk in humility in your life, including in your financial state, all right? So here's the second one right here. Number two, wealth. Everyone say wealth. How many want to be wealthy? All right, five of you want to be wealthy. (laughs) Some of you are like, I'm afraid to answer because you just gave us a really hard stance on wealth. Listen, can I just say this? And if you if you want a little pref, a little little subheading to write under wealth, can I just put? You could just write this down. Money will always want more from you. Money will always want more from you. Matthew uh, verses thirteen twenty two. It says this, and Jesus is this this parable about the seed being sown. It says, as for that which was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, what? They do what? They do what? They choke the word. They choke the, so I'm worried, the, the, uh, uh, the deceitfulness of riches, those things can choke the word of God out of our lives. And it proves what? Unfruitful. I love this, this, this parable, uh, the, uh, the seed lands in our hearts, and eventually will grow, but guess what? It's choked out because I have this ambition to chase wealth, and that's more important than letting Jesus be in the driver's seat. So um, can I just, I kind of wrote this down, but here's some things. Money can't buy everything. Let me tell you what it cannot buy, health. I wouldn't give you access to the doctor give you access to certain things. But let me tell you something. Just because you have access to the best doctors in the world does not guarantee that you're going to be healthy. It cannot buy you health. You know what? Money can buy you a house, but money can't buy you a home. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can have a building, and you and your wife can be on opposite sides of the building and, you, and, and in that house, and you could, you could exist together with your kids. But you know what? It cannot buy you a home. Here's another thing that money can't buy. Friendship. Say, oh, I, if I have money, then all these people will come around. Well, when your money disappears, guess what? So will they. Money can't buy you friendship, true friendship. Number four, money. Oh, man, here's a good one. Cannot buy you respect. You lose respect in a community. No amount of money is going to restore that, that bit of respect. Here's another thing. Money. You know, sometimes this is, this is kind of a broad one, but this. Money cannot always buy you solutions. I'm looking for this answer. Well, it's not always money, right? Here's another one. Oh, man, this is a good one. I wish we had the young people in here for this one. Number six, money cannot buy you manners. Right? You can have all the money in your world and be as rude as can be, right? What about this? Money cannot buy you loyalty. The loyalty of, of friends and loyalty of family. You know what? Uh, 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 here's another one. Number eight, money cannot buy you morals. Having money doesn't make you a good person. doesn't make you act right. Look at this, Luke chapter 12. I, I really love this. And he said to them, this is Jesus uh, speaking here, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. 
You know what that scripture says? Let me read it again. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus is saying, watch out, guys. Be careful here. Hey, here's a pitfall that we, we could fall into. Don't lose sight of what life's all about. And he's saying this, it's sure not about money. But boy, howdy, do we, do we love to be led to believe the opposite in our society, that it's all about money, right? It's all about gain. It's all about working harder. It's all that. And listen, there's nothing wrong with those things. Listen, there's nothing wrong with them. Matter of fact, the Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. On the flip side of that, okay? Listen, there are a lot of people who shouldn't be eating, right? And so if you don't work, you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't eat. But here's the thing. Through implication and osmosis or even direct quote, we have been duped into believing that money can fix what's wrong in our lives. Oftentimes we think, if I just had a little bit more money, this would be solved. And I would be set free from this or I would be set free from that. But listen, David, he tried to convey this in Psalms many times that, that life is quick. How many can say life is quick? Listen, I'm 40 years old, and I think back now. I was thinking about this last night. I was thinking about my daughter, Zaylee, who's 17, and I thought there's no way that Zaylee is 17 because she should still be three years old climbing up in my lap, and you know, and, and us playing patty cake and, and, and going outside and playing Barbies. And, but it's not that way anymore. Life goes by really fast. Can anybody say, I, hey, I'm with you right there, Pastor? And David, he tried to convey this in the Psalms. He said this in Psalm 39.5, every mortal man is a vapor. You're here one second, you're gone the next. Here's number two. He said this in Psalm 144.4, that, that life is like a breath. It's a passing shadow. It's just here and it's gone. It goes by fast. He said this in Psalm 103.15.16, that like grass or the flower, the wind passes over it and no longer, it's no longer known. So here's the thing. This, is, this gives you perspective on, on money and wealth, okay? Look at this. Money is not eternal. It will never leave this world with us, okay? In a monetary, in your hand way. Money, though, is useful and necessary but now in this life, but it's not eternal. It has, it, money has a shelf life here. You know what? When my time runs out, that money is useless to me anymore. It's worthless in the next life, whether you're in heaven or hell. Okay, I want to look at this. God, God is eternal, and we live forever, right? Luke 16 tells this parable. I love this. I love, I love uh, how these parables all, all come into play here. Jesus tells this parable about the rich man and Lazarus. Not, not Lazarus who died, but uh, just, just telling the parable about Lazarus. It, and it tells that the rich man, he, he was so rich he had purple clothes. I don't understand. I guess that meant that you had lots of money. You were, you were rich. You could look at him and go, man, that, you, know, you know that person's rich. Have you ever went by someone on the street somewhere or in the mall somewhere, and you went by him and you looked at him and you said, yeah, that person has money. You just know by the way they dress, by the way they, how, how they do things. Sometimes you perceive those things. But he had purple clothes. And matter of fact, this guy, this rich man, if there was an a, a, a award given in that time for the man of the year, this guy probably would have been the guy to receive that award, time man of the year or whatever the case. But then on the flip side of this parable, there's this man named Lazarus. And Lazarus has sores, but, and he loved God, but, but Lazarus, he uh, uh, wanted some food from this rich man. The rich man wouldn't even give him the crumbs from his table. Everyone say, he's stingy. Right? He's stingy. He wouldn't. And matter of fact, 
if it wasn't bad enough for Lazarus, it's so bad that he's so low that the Bible says that even the dogs came to lick his sores. That's, that's the lowest of all lows, right? That's when you know you're down in the dumps. But look at this. I want you to notice this. God's economy, hmm, I love this. God's economy, I love God's economy because it doesn't work like our worldly uh, economy at all. God's economy is amazing here. Um, he takes the rich man on earth. Listen, the rich man, everyone say the rich man. Guess what? He's nameless. We don't know his name, but he had lots of wealth. But listen, the poor man, what was his name? Oh, God's economy is so much cooler. The value that God puts on, on people that, that, that put their trust in the Lord. But look at this. So God's mercy is, is he, and he calls him by name. He calls him Lazarus. And look, Scripture tells us there in this parable that they both died. But notice this. They're from different social backgrounds. And here's the, here's the thing. I don't care if you're rich. I don't care if you're poor. I don't care if you're a woman. I don't care if you're a man. I don't care what race you are. One day you will face the Lord. Poor, rich, doesn't matter. Middle class, white, black, woman, man. Proverbs 22 tells us that. And it says, I say this. I, I often say this at funerals. I, I, and, and those of you who have been where I've spoke most funerals, I will say this statement right, right here. Is what you do with Jesus in this life will determine what he does with you in the next. And I know that's a bold statement, but listen, I, I can't play games. And, and I know that when I'm at funerals and, I, and I'm speaking to people who need to know Jesus, they need to understand that God is there for them and he wants to save them. Amen? And so uh, uh, Lazarus, he found himself uh, in the bosom of Abraham after they died. That's a good place to be. And, and the rich man from afar off is finally seeing the big picture, and he is in hell, or is he in Hades, or Sheol, as the Hebrew word would say. And so while the rich man saw only day-to-day -day in this life, Lazarus saw the big picture of serving God and understanding who Jesus was. And the time, here's the thing, here's the thing. I don't care who you are in this building. This applies to you tonight. The time will come in everyone's life when they will see the big picture of what God was doing, the eternal picture of heaven or hell. But many, like the rich man, it'll be too late. The story goes on. The rich man, he's, he's there, and he asks Abraham, he says, please, please send Lazarus here so he can listen. Now, he wouldn't give him a crumb earlier, but then he's, he's asking Abraham, please send Lazarus down here to Hades to dip his hand in the water so that I may cool my tongue. It's terrible down here. Listen, all the rich man's collateral ha had paid in his life could not get him one drop of water in hell. Think about that for a moment. But for many, like the rich man, it will be too late. I, I begin to think about this. Um, when I went to Brazil, I had the worst traveling trip to Brazil. I mean, I should have, I felt like the devil was fighting me from day one. And I remember I got on the plane in Los Angeles, and I went to take off, and I was meeting the group of people I was supposed to go to Brazil with in Miami. 
And I got there. I got on the plane. Everything was good. We were, I were getting ready to take off. They stopped the plane. We sit on in the, in the runway for an hour and a half because the pilot seat was missing a screw or something. It was really crazy. And so I was an hour and a half late getting into Miami. Well, guess what that does? You know, it just causes one domino effect right after another. So I'm landing in Miami. As I'm landing, I'm, I'm, I'm getting on my phone, texting the people because I know what time our flight's leaving. And I said, hey, I'm just now landing. And he said, I don't think you're going to make it over here to us. We're getting ready to take off. And he said, just catch the next flight to Brazil. And I was like, okay. So I've never flown international all by myself. So I wait and I reschedule my flights 24 hours. And I come back the next day, and I get on a flight, and, and I text my, my, the guy that I was supposed to be going with, and I said, so who's going to pick me up? And he said, I don't know, but someone will be there to pick you up. Man, you talk about walking in faith, going into another country, not knowing anybody, not speaking the language, number, number two, and just going up to an airport and be like, I hope that's the person that's supposed to. This is, this is something you see on, on the Discovery Channel, why, why this person got murdered in Brazil, right? Uh, and so, and so I'm, I'm, I have, I'm fighting in my mind. I'm like, man. I don't know if I want to do this. I, I called Tristan, and she said, well, you know, let's pray about it. So I prayed about it. Just felt like kept going, just kept going. I got to Brazil, and, and I landed at the airport, and I get there, and I'm sitting there, and I see all these people there to pick up people, and I don't speak any, any of the language, and everyone's just, and I'm just looking at and and I just said, I'm TJ, like in English, just like that. And these three guys go, so, and then, I mean, praise the Lord. One of them spoke English, and I, I mean, I felt so good. I got in the car with them, and the next day, I, I got up, and they were going to take me to a Taparanga, which is a crazy name, out in the Amazon jungle. It was about a three-and-a-half-hour car ride. So this is, this is amazing. So I'm, I'm with one guy who speaks zero English and one guy who speaks broken English. So I am in this car and, and not really being able to communicate with it, not even knowing where I'm at, okay? So I, I'm there, and we're driving, 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 driving. And driving, 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 and we miss our turn, and we go about 50 kilometers past our turn, and then they realize that we're, we're so they flip back around, and we get on the road, and I could see we're like 100 kilometers away from this village where we're supposed to be going. I'm like, all right. And then I hear the gas light on the car. Ding! I know what that is. I don't have to speak <laughs> Portuguese to know what that is. And I remember sitting there going, Okay, Lord, this is like a Volkswagen, and I'm calculating in my mind. Lord, I know it probably gets about 30 miles per gallon if we're down this low. We're, and I'm going, oh, we're not going to make it. Matter of fact, the guy that spoke broken English, he turned around and looked at me, and he said, Pastor, we're traveling by faith right now. I was like... <laughs> and I remember we went, we went, we were driving, we're going over, and there's nobody out here. I, I mean, we probably saw two cars in this whole uh, amount of time, and we're just driving along, driving along, and then all of a sudden the engine starts cutting, and I'm like, oh, 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 oh. And I see a sign, 23 miles, 23 kilometers, okay? And I'm like, okay, let's do some calculations here. I don't know how many miles that is, but I think I could probably make it by dark if I take off right now. I don't speak the language in this nation. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I am. And it dawned on me, guess what? I have money in my wallet, but guess what? Money can't help me. Nothing can help me at this point. And you know what I begin to do? I begin to just pray to God like I've never prayed. God, help us somehow, some way. I can't help us with money. I can't. My phone doesn't work. 
My credit card is no good here. I can't do anything but trust in the Lord. And can I tell you something? There's, there's something about being obedient to the Lord. When, when you don't know how to trust the Lord, when you're lost and you're like, God, I don't know what to do. Just trust God. He'll pull you out of the situation. Amen. A little bit further into that situation, I'll, I'll tell you this. We were sitting there, and it was crazy. We're on the side of the road, just jungle all around us. And I'm just like, this is how I die. Tonight, is how, this is how I die. I mean, some anaconda is going to come out of the woods, or a jaguar is going to come eat me, and this is going to be the end of my story. I, I'm a little bit uh, over the top. It's okay. Uh, and so uh, we're sitting there, and, and, and one of the guys gets out, and he's walking along the road. This is so crazy. This is so weird. And he's going along the road, and he's just sitting there, and he goes, oi, which is how they say hello in Portuguese. He's all, oi. And out of the woods, this guy goes, oi. And I was, I was terrified. And there was this little guy just comes out, and, and, and he had a house back in the, so we were able to go back there. We were able to pray for him. We were able to do this. He had a phone. It was crazy. And so we were able to get some help. And so by the grace of God, God got me where I was going. Amen. And so in this, so knowing that, knowing this in this story, money Money cannot solve all things in our lives, right? And so what is the point? Money can only do uh, so much and for so long. See, and there's another parable of the, uh, uh, it's called the parable of the rich fool. And it's in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. It tells the story of the farmer who had plenty, a plentiful harvest, right? And not having enough storage for his harvest, he decides to tear down his barns and build bigger ones. In all fairness, man, that sounds like a pretty good plan, right? That's pretty smart. That's what it, it seems to be. But, and it seems like a decent approach. Um, you know, uh, many of you are, are praying for job promotions. Good. Opportunities of expansion, investment opportunities. Those are all good things. But this man's model was based on spiritual model that couldn't support the long-term success. Let me show you what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verses 19 20. He says, I will say to my soul, Soul, have you ample goods laid up for many years? Relax, eat, drink, be merry. So basically, uh, this guy, he's, he's coming along. Hey, I've got big barns. I've got lots of money. So I can lay, I can relax. I can do these things. But look, verse 20. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. Basically, you're done. So it doesn't even matter. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So his possessions possessed him. And they didn't even matter. More and more. It's not, it's not enough. I'll build bigger barns. I'll, I'll get a bigger car. I'll get a better house. I'll do this. Physically wealthy but spiritually bankrupt is what Jesus is warning us of right here. Here's another example. The prodigal son. What did he do? He took his inheritance. What did he do with it? Blew it. Money doesn't solve everything, right? Here, what, here's another one. The rich young ruler. You know why he didn't follow Jesus? Jesus told him, leave everything, put me in the driver's seat. And the rich young ruler, he was grieved in his heart because he wasn't ready to leave everything. So in other words, if we aren't careful, possessions, riches, wealth will choke out what God has for us, okay? I'm not saying it's wrong to be wealthy, okay? Hear me out. I'm not saying it's wrong to be wealthy. I'm not saying it's wrong for those things. Well, maybe you're here and you say, I feel guilty now. No, I feel guilty because I want a better job. Or I feel guilty that I want to put... Uh, New counters in my kitchen, right? Or I feel guilty because I want to replace the car, my car, because it's leaking oil all over my driveway. Listen, money is fine. There's nothing wrong with money, okay? It's the love of money that causes all evil, right? And, and having it 
making it, uh, uh, making is great, and there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, multiplication is desired and expected. It's what the Lord wants for you, okay? In Luke 19, there's a parable. There's a ton of parables. Listen, there's a parable of a nobleman who came home to see how his servants had made in business. And he praised the one who had turned a profit for their initial investment. And then he chastised the one who didn't grow his income. Okay? So John 15, 16 says, we were appointed by Christ to go and to what? Produce fruit. That doesn't just mean spiritually. Uh, that doesn't just mean physically. That means also, that can also mean monetarily. Amen? So back to my opening verse. The good ground produced what? Remember I, I said the, the, they, the, the, that was sowed uh, and, and was choked out? But the good ground produced what? It produced 30 times, 60 times, 100 times that which was sown. Listen, where you place your wealth is important. Um, and so, honestly, some of us, uh, the theme here is spiritual, but not necessarily financial. But there's, there's no reason to limit the biblical principles of faithfulness, hard work, and anticipated production to non-secular purposes, such as making money, all right? So Jesus, remember Jesus, when he was hungry and he went by the fig tree, what did he do? Cursed it. Because it didn't produce anything. Didn't, hadn't produced, its purpose was to produce the problem, again, is not money itself. The problem is what we allow money to become in our hearts, okay? The problem is, is that our wealth, our pursuit of it, the growing of it, as well as the, the fretful expense of protecting it uh, to keep your, uh, can keep our heads down and our thoughts inward, right? And our vision limited to this landing strip that we're on for about 70 to 80 years to 100 years. I pray 100 for all of us, right? That we're only here, and it limits us to that lifetime. Look at this, First Timothy six, seventeen through nineteen. And Paul would go on to say this. And I'm not going to break this down, but I just want to read it to you. As for the rich uh, in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to be uh, to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on who, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So. Hey, thank you, Lord, for, for being the blessing. Amen. Verse 18 says this. So they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Woo. Everyone could say, Lord, help me to share. Amen. Look at this, verse 19. Thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So don't let the pursuit of wealth cut out what is important in this life. First is this, our relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's number three right here on investing. Everyone say investing. If you need a subheading on this one, it's this. Use, use earthly resources for heavenly purposes. Use earthly resources for heavenly purposes. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One of the first things they teach you in Crown Financial or um, I think even in uh, Dave Ramsey's course is look and see where you're spending your money. Right? And where you spend your money, that's where your heart is. Maybe you eat out a lot. My heart is in my belly, right? Or maybe you spend it on your hobby. Luke 16 has this parable of the shrewd manager and, and uh, um He's about to be let go by his employer, so he goes 
and he's in this bartering thing, and, and, and he goes to barter the debt while he's still working for his employer with those who owed his employer, okay, the shrewd manager. So one owed 100 measures of oil, and so he comes in, and the manager says, I tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, if you'll give me 50 of it, we'll, we'll erase that 100. We'll, we'll let it go. And then another owed 100 measures of wheat. And so uh, this, this manager, he says, ah, I tell you what we'll do. Uh, just so I can gain your trust. So I'm about to lose my job. I'm too old to work. Uh, I'm too old to handle the shovel. I'm too old to do that. Uh, but I still got some usefulness. But I know I'm about to be let go. So maybe by doing this, I'll have the good grace that one of these guys that owe money will hire me. And so the manager says, hey, give me, instead of 100, give me 80. And the manager was, was doing this to show grace to his debtors that he might have a job when his employer let him go. So look at this. When the employer found out, you know what the employer did? Instead of chastising him, you know what he did? He was amazed by his ingenuity. That's, yeah, that didn't go the way you thought it was going to go, huh? <laughs> and he was amazed by his ingenuity. Matter of fact, um, um, that, that story goes the opposite direction of what most of us think. And people who don't know the Lord, listen, and here's the point of all that. People who don't even know the Lord are busy working hard on their investments, trying to save money, trying to be the best, trying to have the best house, trying to build wealth so they can retire, trying to do all these things nonstop every day, every day. They're investing. They're looking away for another way to make a buck. They are aggressive at that process, but they're aggressive for a temporal gain of money in this life. So here's the spiritual application of that. We as believers, woo, listen to this, listen to this. We as believers, we don't put the same emphasis to gain money that the non-believer does in our spiritual life for things that are eternal. So what do you mean by that? Oh, I can give you some, some people will work a job all day come home or get up early in the morning, check their investments online, and then work a job. And then, you know, and they'll go through all those pursuits. And some of us believers won't even put the investment to read our Bible in the morning for something that is eternal. That's my point. My point is that some of us won't pray every day because, you know, it's just too inconvenient. And so we as believers, we... we, we we need to put the same emphasis on eternal or spiritual wealth, not talking about uh, physically making money here, but spiritual things. And, and this, is, this is not out, uh, out to be, uh, it's, it, it shouldn't be that way. And after using this example of the shrewd manager, we ought to be preparing and planning for our future. I'm talking about our future in heaven. Okay? So look at this. Look at this. Jesus, he plunges into a discourse here to the believer about money and investment which he will, uh, he'll identify three things. I want to talk about giving, three things about giving, and then I'm done, okay? Look at this, number one. This is what, what Jesus would say. Number one is this, giving, giving rewards us in eternity. Giving financially rewards us, or, or even in your time, giving rewards us in eternity. Look at this, Luke chapter 16, right out of this, right out of this parable, the shrewd manager, Jesus says this in Luke chapter 16, verse 9. He says, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of, of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you in into the internal uh, dwellings. So, when asked how much money 
his father had left, had left him when he died. Andrew Carnegie's son gave this classic answer, everything. Everything. He left me everything. It didn't matter how much it was. It was everything. He left it to me. And the same adage is true. Listen, you can't take anything with you. You've heard me say that many, many, many times. You can't take it with you. All right. Um, but according to this verse, listen, listen. But according to this verse, you can send it ahead. What does that mean? What does that mean, Pastor? What does that mean? The money you give to God is sent ahead and awaiting you in heaven. What, what does that mean exactly? I, some of you are like, what? I'm so lost. Uh, I may not know exactly what Jesus meant. In this verse, he says, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwelling. So the things that you are investing in, God, Jesus is laying it out forward, okay? When you give to the kingdom of God, you may not see in this earth, but the investment is eternally in heaven in your dwellings. I may not know exactly what Jesus meant when he said the money we send ahead will be awaiting us in our eternal dwellings. But I know this, that God is faithful. Amen. But I, and I know that when we get to heaven, listen, it will not matter when we get to heaven what kind of air fryer you had here on earth. It will not matter what kind of car you drove. It will not matter what color paint you had in your house. It will, all the things of this world will not matter. Matter of fact, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be like, oh, is this all it is? No, we're going to be blown away. Because that's the way that God works. And so uh, we won't just say, hey, hey, this is it. We're going to be blown away. So God giving rewards us in eternity, okay? Sometimes we may not. We may give in this lifetime, and we may not ever see the benefit of that until we get to heaven. But I say, hey, God, I trust you anyways. Amen. Look at this. Here's the second thing that Jesus said. Giving releases us in ministry. Luke, Luke 16, going on, verse 10 and 11, says this. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much, right? How many of you have a kid? That is more faithful at accomplishing a task that you ask him than another. I won't tell you which ones. But verse 11 says, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth. Ooh, if you haven't been faithful in the unrighteous wealth in this world, who will entrust you to the true riches? So uh, you may not be able to um, sing, right? In this building, you may not you may not be able to carry a tune in a bucket, you may not be able to preach, and you may not be able to do all these things. But everybody in here, there's something that is the same for everybody in this room. Can I tell you what it is? Money and your heart. Dwight L. Moody is a great great minister. There's a whole there's a college up in Chicago. Uh, that, that is named after him and bears his name, he said this, I can see more about the sp your spirituality as a man by reading through your checkbook than I can reading through your prayer book. So where your treasure is, that's where your heart is, giving, giving us the true barometer of where, wh where we are spirituality, right, where, where we are spiritually. And I'm not, I'm not here to beat you over the head for not giving enough. I, I'm, I'm not. That's not why I'm here. Uh, I know so many of you give so faithfully over and over. And how do I know that? Not because I can look at the books, because it shows in your life. That's, uh, that's how I know. 
That's how I know. I know God is blessing you because you're giving and it shows. It's this thing. It's beautiful. Uh, you say, hey, I don't have much money. Well, if you were to take what you make and multiply it times 30 to 40 years of working, it'd be a large chunk of money, right? Yeah, it would be a large chunk of money. Obviously, you're not getting that in one lump, lump sum, but what, you, what are you doing with your yearly salary? What are you doing with your monthly salary? What are you doing with your weekly salary that matters over the long term? So uh, it, it's amazing to me. This verse says that if you are faithful in the small, he will make you ruler of much. And some of us need to learn to master and steward the small things that God has given us, whatever they are. Amen? And so when we appropriately steward, God begins to open doors of ministry for you proportionately. Look, if, you're, if you are unfaithful, I cannot, um, the Lord says, I cannot commit to you riches of the poor or, or more impacting the ministry. And I'm going to be honest. When I was younger, when me and Tristan were young in ministry, uh, really young, we, we always wanted to give more, but we didn't feel like that we had the ability to give more. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've, I've been there. Listen, I've been there. But something began to happen. We always used to talk about that and say, man, I, I, wish it was, I wish we were able to be at a place that if we wanted to give this much to a missionary, we could just do it. And, and we began to just kind of pray about that and talk about it. And God taught us this principle, and he's still teaching me this principle slowly, um, you know. TJ, you, maybe you can't give $500 to a mission or $1,000 to a missionary, but guess what? I bet you can do $25. If you'll skip one mil, that's not one mil, that's just, a, that's, well, you know what I mean. If you skip a mil or, or do this, I bet you can find $25 in your budget to bless somebody. And the more that me and Tristan become, began to be obedient, the more God began to open doors for us. Not just financially, but ministry and opportunity. And the windows of heaven be, began to open in our lives. And, and the things that I used to, that I wish I could do, uh, they became apparent. And God taught me some great things. So here's the last one right here. Giving replenishes us financially. And Jesus says this. And I'll try to get through this one fast. In Luke 16, 12, he says this, and if you have not been faithful in what which another's, uh, what which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Um, all right, everyone buckle up here. Are you ready for this? You better buckle up right here. I Don't, th don't throw me out right here, but listen, this is, we have been entrusted with what, with another's, with what, which, with that which is another's is what I'm trying to say. And Leviticus 23.10, it says this, that the Lord has given us the first fruits that are his. They're his. They're not ours. They're his. So first fruits are the tithe, meaning tenth. Everyone say tenth. Therefore, the first tenth we make is the, is the, oh, man, you guys are excited about tithe. I can tell. So excited about that. Um. Most of us, listen, most of us would not, nobody, I don't think anybody in this building, I don't want to say not ever. most of us would not steal from the house of the Lord. Most of us would not, would not steal from here. But here's the thing, this is what Malachi said. Listen, you can, you can get mad at Malachi all you want. I'm, I'm going to show you some things here. Malachi 3.8 says this, uh, shall a man rob God? 
When you aren't giving your tenth, you are indeed, according to Malachi, robbing God. Some, some here's the thing, though. Listen, I've, I've heard this. I've heard this argument. Some protest tithe. Oh, it's in the Old Testament. We don't hear about it in the New Testament. And I'm like, okay, let's do a little bit of research on that. Um, Jesus came to fulfill the law, they say. I, I, I point to this. So let's go back. Let's predate the law when, when the law was given to Moses. And let's go to Genesis 14, 20. And there... Uh, before the law, before the law came, Abraham tied to Melchizedek. He did. Okay. So that's before the law of Moses. That's before Leviticus. So there was a tithe in. So look at this. I'm going to show you something. Genesis 14.20 says this. Or, uh, tithing is it, it, also seen in Levitic, Leviticus in the Old Testament. And then Jesus, look at this, in Luke 11.42. New Testament stuff here. Jesus says this. He says, Jesus commended the Pharisees that Although they were, uh, should remember justice and mercy, that they should not cease to tithe. In Luke eleven forty two, And then here's another example in the New Testament. Paul taught on tithing to the Corinthians to give according to how God had prospered them in 1 Corinthians uh, 16, 2. So here's the thing. This is what I know about tithing. It precedes the law. It's found in the law. And it's found in the New Testament and the epistles. So here's the thing. Here's the common theme. When you see things flowing through Scripture, God is not a man that he should lie. God won't. He, he expects these things. So failing to see that tithing is for us now is a failure to see the full counsel of Scripture. All right? Hey, don't beat me up. I'm, I'm just the messenger here. Listen, Malachi 3.9 says this. So the next verse, tell a man rob God. Verse 9 says this in Malachi 3.9. Says, we are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. And how many know we live in a fallen world? I'm going to make this as fast as I can. Uh, all that you make and all that I make is, 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 is in a cursed world. But when I tithe, listen to me, there's something supernatural. When I tithe to the Lord and I give him what he has asked me to give, when I am obedient to what he has told me to do, when I give that 10%, and God takes that rest of that 90% and he blesses it and he gives it back to me and he lets me use it, okay? So look at this. So he blesses the 90 cents. I would rather live on 90% blessed than 100% cursed. Amen? So when I, when I bring home my check and I fail to tithe God, you know what? Haggai 1.9 says that, that he, he blows on it. He scatters it because you rob God and the blessing is removed. Some of you are wondering why your fridge is going out and why certain things. Listen, because there's a reason. So look at this next verse. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse and there may be food in my house and thereby uh, put to me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. How many want God to meet every need that you have? This principle right here. This verse right here. This is the only place in scripture where God says, hey, prove me. Test me. Try me out on this. I dare you. You watch and see what I can do. I'll never forget, just recently I had a, I had a father in California call me and he said, hey, can you call uh, uh, my son? And he said, I've been talking to him. He's young. He's in the early 20s. He said, I've been talking to him about 
tithing and, and the importance of tithing, but I'm his dad, and he's not listening to me, and I think he'll listen to you. So I begin to call him, and I begin to tell him, I said, listen, you, you need to tithe. And he was, he was struggling in his finances, and so he, he began to tithe financially. Guess what? One week later, he called me back, and he said, you'll never believe what God did for me. The moment I started tithing, God began to open doors for me. I got more work. I got moved up. I got a new work truck. I got this, these things begin to happen. And I can tell you this, that when you try God, when, you, when, you do, when you're obedient to what God tells you to do, he can open the windows of heaven and say, I'm going to bless you because you've been obedient to me. Not only will he bless you, but he will rebuke the devourer. So look at this. The next verse says this, Malachi 3.11 says, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. You know, Satan, all he wants to do is to destroy and to devour and to cause harm. But God will keep that refrigerator from breaking and help it to last a little bit longer for you, right? God can stop those things and the things that maybe we're struggling with sometimes. Can I just ask you this? Are you being faithful to the Lord with your finances? God promised to cover us from the devourer of the enemy. Look at this. Malachi 3.12 says this. Then all the nations shall call you blessed. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So when we tithe, fruit, fruitfulness will reign in our lives. There will be an abundance. God will, God will help you. And then... What happens when I have an abundance? Guess what? I can bless people. I can love on people. I can help people out. I can give more to ministry. I can give more to missions. I can do things. Amen. How many want to do more for the kingdom of God? Amen. I do. So when we tithe, we say this. This is what we're doing. Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. You're in the driver's seat. I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to let you do what you're going to do. Let me ask you this. What are you investing in? Is it earthly things? Because if it is, they're going to be destroyed one day. I, listen, I want to say this. I'm, I'm grateful for this church. I haven't talked a lot about tithe. I haven't talked a lot about giving. It's the whole time I've been here because God has blessed and God has, has done amazing things. But listen, it's important for me. It's important for me to be a pastor and to cover things, all things in the Bible. Because God talks about money. Listen, I want to encourage you. If you are giving, continue to give. If, you, if you're on the fence, try God out. Just try it in your heart. Listen, listen, I, I know you may say, well, I, I, I need to know what happens with this and that. And listen, trust the Lord. The Lord, the Lord will send it. God will put it where it needs to be. Amen. That's what I've learned. So number one, uh, we, we, we have to, in our finances, we have to walk in humility. Number two, we, we uh, got to understand that wealth in this world is temporal, but we need to, to store up in heaven. Number three, our investment is in heaven. Amen. So let's pray. Heavenly Father. God, I thank you for this word. Lord, I know it's a challenging word. God, I know, uh, I know this in Scripture, Lord. You're after our hearts. God, you don't need our finances. Lord, you can speak finances into existence. But, God, you want our hearts. God, when we give to you, God, faithfully, God, what we're saying in our hearts is, Lord, we trust you. God, we store up things not uh, in this earth, but for your glory. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be a house, Lord, that, that is just open, Lord, to, uh, you know, spreading the gospel in all ways. God, I pray, Lord, that this would be a house for, to touch people's lives, Lord, to touch people's needs, Lord, to minister. 
God, I pray, Lord, that you would take the fruit, Lord, that is given here, God, the tithe, Lord, and multiply it, Lord, 30 times, 60 times, God, 100 times, Lord, that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. God, we, we, we don't put our trust in money, but, God, we put our trust in you. God, I ask, Lord, that tonight, Lord, that you would begin to search every person's heart here. God, and remind us, Lord, that we belong to you. And God, I pray, Lord, that in these moments just like this, Lord, that we would be tender to your presence and tender to your calling. God, Lord, that you would just continue to bless. God, as we are obedient to you, God, in all areas of our life, God, I ask, Lord, that you would go with us this week until the next appointed time. Cover us underneath your grace. And God, we'll just give you the praise. God, we'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.